Welcome to day one of the IM Talks Challenge Road 2008 Super Special. Right, our team, welcome along to day one of the IM Talk. Wrote challenge, wrote 35 year anniversary super special. 35 <laughs> um, years, Bevan. It was funny, I was talking to Felix and his sister before. His sister was one when the race went to challenge. Wow. So she probably doesn't really know life. When we went to challenge? When, oh no. No, she's older than 35. No, no, she's 36. She's 36. So, so no, when the race first started, sorry. So, yes. so that's pretty crazy, isn't it? It is. It's, it's been around. It's one of the long standing races. But it's one of the cool things you see Felix in the photos when he's one of the kids carrying the balloons. Oh, nice. You know, and you kind of think, wow, for their family. Yeah. It must be pretty cool to have built what this, you know, not just this race, but this organisation is to have the impact in the sport and overall. But anyway, uh, the super specials are brought to you by I Am Talk and your patrons. There you go. And patrons. Along with uh, our regular sponsors, Tanya Pora and Extreme Endurance. And we are going to be heading over to Tanya Pora. They've got a little booth tomorrow, so we'll be hearing a little bit more about them. Good times, rock and roll. Okay, John, so what, what, how's the day going? I don't even know this, the format of the show today. So the format of the show today is we're going to have a bit of a chinwag about what we've been up to on the camp. So today is Thursday for us. We started our camp last Friday. Uh, then we're going to have interviews from Brian McChrystal, who is the Irish record holder over the Iron Distance. Kaiser Sali, who a lot of you will know she had finished fifth place last year in Kona and fifth place the year before and is probably the second seed I'd imagine here. You know, you've got um, Lucy Charles will be the top seed, but Kaiser Sali I think might be ranked second on Torsten's ratings. Then, you, then Bevan managed to successfully grab Sebastian Keenlay. I'm never shy when it comes to asking for interviews. Yes, yeah, so that was great. So we've got him on the show and Bevan also, we got him working this morning. He had a long chat with Scott Molina as well, so I wasn't privy to that. Uh, and that's about it for today. And um, we've got lots more coming in the next few days. So, do you, do you want to talk about the camp now or do you want to talk about we'll, later on? We'll head into the camp. Okay, so the camp's been gone. Tell us what's been happening, Jombo. So we assembled last Friday. So, you know... Um, camp assemble. Camp assemble. And we fly into Munich. Great big airport that Munich is. Biggest escalator I reckon I've ever been on in my life. One of those really high ones. One, I don't know if you had it, but going from um, getting off the plane to... Then you go down a little train, then you go back up again. Ginormous escalator. Oh, really? Massive. So Munich's a great airport, easy to find your way around. I'm loving that you're starting off with the airport. This could be quite long, guys. It could be quite long. <laughs> uh, everybody's, everybody's gear arrived on time. We had one bike that didn't arrive uh, on time, but then... Well, that's he, pretty phenomenal, because last year was a disaster. Yeah, he, arri he arrived two days early. So there was your roomie, Brent Waha oh, yeah. chan uh, And his bike turned up on time. So everybody arrived on time with their bikes. It makes it a little stressless. Life was good. Yeah. So we've been, then, since then, um, we've ridden over the course. We have two days in Hippelstein, which is right next to where T1 is. Uh, we had two days there doing reconnaissance, checking out, three days actually, checking out the bike course, checking out the run course. It's invaluable on a course like oh, this. Oh, yeah. You know, it's one thing, on, on like a Kona course, or, 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 or like I say Ironman New Zealand, it, um, the course is pretty straightforward. You know, you've got a bit of a climb and then it's straight, right, straight line riding. But to be able to ride the full course once and then we ride half of it again, and then some guys even came out and, and we drove it again as well, just so many twists and turns. Those guys, I guarantee they'll be minutes quicker for yeah. knowing the course. We just know how to race a race more wisely because you have a mm. real experience of it. Even driving it's good, but riding it? 
Yeah, tens oh, better. People were buzzing after. You know, it's such a cool course. It's smooth roads, um, lots of up and downs, lots of little villages you go through. So people were loving the course and loving that they were well prepared. And then we rode off to uh, Regensburg. Had a couple of nights there. Beautiful old town that it is. Nice ride to get there as well. And then uh, and then we rolled over to Nuremberg yesterday and met up with Bevan. And now we've got from from there on in. From here on in, it's. Um, Athletes are a bit more self-directed, just proper taper time. You know, the first few days we do a lot more training that people would normally do a week before the race, but you've got all day to sit around and recover, so everybody's in good spirits. And Oh, you're right. You're gonna, oh, hold it, hold it. Is it going to come? It didn't come. Did well. didn't come. Did well. uh, they're in good spirits and ready to kick some butt. Okay, so what we're going to do right now, we might start with Sebastian. Now, we, we started talking to Sebastian and we asked him about football because Germany just lost last night, uh, which was... Quite funny when you walked into the bar and all the Germans were watching, looking like yeah. they're pretty upset, which is justifiable. Uh, and luckily, I realised that I hadn't pushed record, so I pushed record just as he's wrapping up this kind of. He actually prefers American football, which is quite interesting. Um, I pushed record at the end of that, so and we, we only missed about thirty seconds of it. His his favourite team was the 49ers, but he was talking about the new quarterback uh, Gruff Gruffalo, I think it yeah, was. Yes, good memory. And you were listening. And then I think he said they've been going a bit crap, but they've done some good trades. And then I think the Seahawks was his second favourite team so there, there, is, there is backup team but he was there loving his American sport did we get the did we get the bit of talking about the mountain biking yeah no no yeah. no I literally pushed it just as he finished American sport and then so the, and <laughs> I knew he didn't, no one cares about that they want to hear about triathlon that's why I waited John it yeah. was a conscious waiting it was so we're going to start with Sebastian Kenley here he is right now so I like the running quarterbacks um yeah, that's that's my my thing. <laughs> so t- tell us a bit about the Cape Epic this year, because we noticed you were down there doing that. Did you you and Ben Hoffman did it? Did you go really hard, or you treated it as a good big base training? What was it like? And for for most Ironmen who don't have a clue actually what it is. Um, unfortunately, we are just having the microphones here, but probably yeah. you snap a couple of pictures from all the stars, scars yeah. like I got from that. Oh, race. really? Was yeah. it pretty bad? <laughs> uh, no, actually, I think it was just as you should ex- expect it, yeah. Um, I haven't done any mountain bike racing for maybe 10 years, and I haven't, I have, I've, I've never done a, a stage race before, mm-hmm. and um, I've never done it with a teammate, so yeah. it was a lot of new, new things for me, for sure. Um, unfortunately, we both had a little bit of a stomach bug. I mean, Ben, not just a little bit. Ben was really, really bad uh-huh. for the whole eight days. And uh, that gave me probably a little bit more breathing uh, space. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, you never really go at the absolute borderline because um, compared to triathlon, you always have to have this extra five or ten percent where you just need to to have to stay concentrated especially if you're not doing this um for for living and um but then yeah on the other hand of course we every every time we told the line we told ourselves don't be stupid don't crash don't ruin your career because of um basically a hobby and that's what it is for us this mountain bike is a it's more or less a hobby um but of course you're just so um yeah, so um, triggered to that, you know, feeling of um, being in the start grid and uh, mm-hmm. um, hearing the gun go off and then you just get really excited and of course you want to, to beat the other guys and, and everything. So it was definitely a, a difficult task and um, 
it was something really great. I don't want to miss it. Um, I have to be honest, it was probably a little bit stupid, but mm -hmm. um, it was the first time for, for a very long time that I did a race without any expectations. Some fun. Yeah, yeah, just, mm -hmm. just, for the, just for the sake of, of racing. Um, and I didn't have that for a very long time, so um, it was great to do something like that again. What was it like, the camaraderie? You know, because uh, you know, on your race day, Typically, it's you against everyone else. Whereas you are doing a race with Ben, was that kind of a nice experience to have that camaraderie? Oh yeah, um, I think it's quite funny because actually I think that was our biggest strength in the whole race that we worked together really nicely. And you see a lot of um, teams, you know, it's more like a marriage at the end of a marriage. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> divorce. <laughs> yeah. Um, some people were fighting on the on the trails and, and stuff like that and of course it's you know it puts you it puts you on the line and I mean everybody is different um, and I, I know myself very well um, when I'm on that line and of course sometimes it helps to be angry to get another extra percent out of you um, but it doesn't help really help when you're with a teammate so yeah. Um, but yeah I think we did a really good job when it when it comes to that of course um, it wasn't always um, pure love and yeah, yeah, flowers yeah. and yeah. whatever, but um, yeah, it was definitely something uh, I wanna I wanted to have more probably after my professional triathlon career. Um, sometimes triathlon is a little bit of a lonely sport, even if you have a strong team around you and everything. But um, that feeling of working together with somebody, you know, um, in a in a team, even if it's just two people. Um, it can be really rewarding to, to also help somebody else who has a bad stretch or getting help um, from, from a mate when you have a bad stretch and that's, that's something nice, yeah. So you're, we're here at Challenge Road this week. What, what made you choose racing here this year as a, you've got choices of Frankfurt, lots of places. What made you want to come back to Road? Hmm. Um, so first of all, I wanted to do Ross in the last couple of years, um, but it never played out because you have to do this um, qualification uh, validation race. Mm. And so, yeah, last year I, I still had the energy to, to, do a, to do another Ironman in Cozumel. So I had the freedom and then we uh, thought about, okay, should we concentrate 100% on, uh, on Kona and don't do a long course race at all? But um, yeah, after a lot of thinking and back and forth, and uh, we actually realized that it, it's not even beneficial probably to skip that long course race mm. in, in summertime. Um, you, you see in the past that the people had great success doing good long course races. Um, before Jan won Frankfurt and Kona, and before I won Frankfurt and then uh, Kona, the people always said it's not possible to mm, have a very yeah. great uh, long course race in summer but I'm not so sure about that for me it's actually more the other way around I think if I don't have that downtime after a first highlight I think it's um, it's a very long time towards Kona and I I think it's important to have this like three or four weeks period after after summer long course race um, to get the mind fresh and um, it's also I like to have this like first stage when it comes to preparation it's it's easier for me to focus on that race and build up towards that race and then sort of climb the next step towards towards Kona so that was the first thing was we decided okay we're still gonna do this long course race 
And then um, my first two uh, um, long course races have been in Ross. Um, it was pretty successful uh, in the first um, two times, and but not the ultimate success with the win. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think um, when you do a long course, middle distance, non-drafting racing, um, there in especially for the Germans and the Europeans, there are probably three very important races in the world or four. Um, 70.3 World Championships, um, Ironman World Championships, Ironman Frankfurt as European Championships and Ross. Mm -hmm. And um, so I won three of those, but mm. um, for the Grand Slam, more yeah. or less, I think um, I'm still missing Ross. And, and then, of course, I'm not going to lie, I do this for a living. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's good money. The sponsors mm. um, uh, want, to, want to see me uh, race. Um, mm. And it's it's a very important race for 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 all the triathlon media in uh, in Europe at this time at this time of the year. And I also um, I like the the idea of you know going uh, towards Kona and already have something in the pocket. Um, mm. I mean, you have an immense pressure in Kona if you don't have anything else than yeah. the, the, the race in Kona. I mean, of course, people had great success, but everybody's different. And I mean, if you look at Jan probably uh, in the last year, I mean, of course, it, it, a lot of things played into the result he had in, in Kona. But um, one of them is definitely also the, the amount of, of pressure you start to build up if you're not, if you're not having any success. Mm. Um, it's not so much about media or sponsors, it's just about yourself. Um, mm. So therefore, yeah, I like to go with a little bit of confidence and hopefully with a win towards Kona. Do you, you race for a time or for a place or how, how, will, you pay, how will you plan your day? Um, is it I'm just going for the win or I'm going for a fast time? I'm going for the win, but yeah. if you're going for a win in, uh, in Ross, you, you always go for a fast time as well because yeah. you need a fast time to win this race. Um, that's for sure. So, uh, and I mean, I, I'm not thinking about a world record or something mm. like that. It's, um, I think nobody really knows how the run course, how it is now, is comparing to two years ago. So it's mm. very difficult to, to plan something like that. Um, and to be quite honest, I think um, I'm not in the, in the shape to, uh, to be able to, uh, yeah, to really uh, have a plan to beat Jan's world yeah. record or something like that and just for a fast time I mean it's not the thing I'm really racing for to be honest I mean like I said if it's a fast time it's nice for your confidence but it's more about the win and yeah. Um, but yeah you never know I mean in our sport it depends a lot of on conditions and how your shape is on a given day and um, if I whatever um, run the half marathon in 117 or something like that with a four or five bike or something like that and a decent swim then of course I'm gonna go all out and try to get this time. <laughs> how, how do you get your you know to get to race day obviously there's a training aspect for your head what do you do to get your head in the right place to be able to perform on race day? It's a difficult question I think it's um, I just have a lot of experience with that and um, in, uh, I think in the early days of my career, it was very difficult to get that timing, uh, timing right. And uh, um, I think I killed myself in every race. Now it's, um, it's 
probably not the same anymore, but I still can kill myself in like three days of the year. And that's mm. probably better yeah. than on 50 days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. How are you going to beat that bloody Lionel Sanders? <laughs> he's, he's, that, was, that was an impressive race. <laughs> well, I mean, um, first of all, I think um, when I look at the last 10 races I had, um, where, where I raced against Lionel, um, actually I think that I'm still developing um, uh, and I'm actually closing the gap on middle distance races um, and I think that's something that yeah, gives me confidence because I'm way uh, longer in the sport than he is and I'm still able to develop and um, I mean when you look at the race in Samurin for example of course at the end it's just the result that matters but um, of course I also have to look at the good, good things and the good thing was um, I had a pretty good gap out of the water and um, I think if I make the front pack for example in Kona and he doesn't mm. it's going to be very difficult for him uh, to uh, mm. um, I mean not to close the gap but um, uh, to close the gap and then still have the energy to, to run faster but um, I think I'm able to beat anybody in the business if I'm at a yeah. at a hundred percent, and that's the most important thing that you have to 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 look at. It's just like trying to perform at a hundred percent, and I wasn't really able to do that all the time. But I'm not crying around. It's the same for everybody, you know. Mm. I mean, even Lionel, it can be the other way around. You know, he can be in the front pack and I'm not, and then it's game over for me. So um, yeah. Um, but it's very interesting and good times for, for our sport and that's what still keeps me excited for, for training and everything. What do you, what, I think he's got to go, you've got to go to the break. Just ask a quick question, what do you love most about the sport? <laughs> <laughs> that would be an hour long answer. <laughs> I mean, it's, of course, it's, um, uh, it's a freedom I have. I think um, there's nearly nobody uh, who enjoys this level of freedom in any uh, professional sport, you know. Um, that's a great thing. You can plan everything yourself, you know, your races, um, your sponsors, your training, your training buddies, your coach and so on. Um, but it's also a huge responsibility towards your, yourself to get, get this thing right all the time. And um, yeah, and then it's, it's the places we travel to, it's just the general lifestyle is um, something I, I enjoy. And then uh, it's, yeah, the guys I'm racing with is uh, a lot of good guys you know few assholes but um, <laughs> um, uh, I think it's just I think the, the the ratio is a little bit smaller than in some of the other sports <laughs> um, and yeah and then it's I don't know it's um, it's very uh, it's very diversified you know it's a lot of different different things you can do a lot of different aspects and um, yeah, it could keep going forever, I guess. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> He's got a race briefing Thanks. to go yeah, with. Thank you so much for your time. Sure. Yeah. The thing I like about Sebastian, like I reckon if we'd asked him who are the assholes, he would have told us. He's one of those guys who's got no filter, but in a good way. You know, mm. like he's, he's pretty upfront. He's not trying mm. to... He's not afraid to say what he thinks. Um, mm. he's, he's a pretty good person to have in our sport. Mm. You know, he's, he's not a mecca, but he's of mecca level, if you know what I mean. Mm. You know, because our sport can have the old boring character yeah he's right on that knife edge now of becoming i mean he, uh, he'll go down as one of the great athletes yep. 
but another Kona victory and then he'll be a really yeah. great athlete. Especially in this moment, because if you win Kona, let's say he comes and wins Kona this year, mm. well, you could almost argue it's one of the best fields ever. You could argue that, yep. so it's not your greatest of all time argument, but yep. Yep. It is, it's, it's an exciting field with lots of different dimensions, as opposed to some years, you go in and you just say, two or three. Crow, Crow's just going to spank this, and yeah. he does, yep. um, but yeah, there's... It's hard to pick a, a clear The top winner. five this year is going to be really hard to pick. Oh, yeah. So you've got Keenlay, Fredino, Langer. Sanders, Langer. Bloody hell, the Germans could just about win the whole top Braden five. Braden Curry. Braden, yeah. You know, you've got lots of guys, you know, the top five. Torenzo. Yeah, no, like this, it's, it's going to be a great race. So, yeah, and, and it was an interesting point that he said there at the end there. He is improving, and we are seeing improvements. His swimming's getting better. His running seems to be, mm. you know, even in the shorter courses of the race. So pretty exciting stuff. Who are we going to have next, John? Next up, we are going to have uh, Kaiser Sali, who is fifth in Kona the last two years and been around the sport. <laughs> Often you go, wow, she's just sprung onto the scene really quickly and had these really good Ironmans, never heard of her before. But then you delve a bit deeper and, and like I was looking at her results in yeah, 1999, she was at the you know, World Junior Champs and stuff. So she's been around a long time, 20 but, years. But, but only uh, recently in the... Ironman world. So she used to be Kaiser Latonen, and I think the first time she did Kona, I think that was she was still racing as in her maiden name, but she's now Kaiser Sali. Okay, well here is Kaiser right now. Hello. Uh, interview number two over here is Kaiser Sali from Finland, and you hopefully will know her from finishing second, not second, uh, fifth place in Kona in 2016, 2017. She's won a bunch of other races around the world. Uh, and we're looking forward to seeing what she can do in Rote this year. So welcome to the show. And thanks so much. Nice to be here. Tell us a bit about, you, you've come to the Ironman world and you've done really well really quickly. But tell us a bit about what life was like before Ironman because you had quite a long ITU career. Yeah, I did actually start triathlon only back in 1998. So yeah. I've been doing the sports for a long, long time. Yeah. And I was first doing the ITU, Olympic distance, but as I'm not such a good swimmer, I was struggling a little bit in, in there. And I also had like quite a many injuries, so that ITU career was a bit like, it wasn't an easy one. Mm. So then in 2015, I made the decision to go for long distances, and since then everything has been pretty nice. Did, did you wish you had done it earlier? Uh, uh, it's hard to say. I loved the ITU uh, racing as well, even though I wasn't in the top of it. I was just like the first one to miss two Olympics. <laughs> so it was always my big goal to qualify to um, Olympics because there has been no Finnish athletes in the Olympics yet. So that was what I was trying for. But I was the first one to drop out from both Beijing and, and London. So there were, were quite big hits, but... So how, yeah, it was fun anyway. How close did you get to the Olympics? Uh, in the European ranking, I was the first one to miss the spot. Oh, really? So oh, <laughs> both it was times? Like, yeah, two oh, times. You poor, how was that? It must have been hard. Uh, it was really hard, but anyway, you do learn of those experiences as well. And now, like, I think, like, then I was, like, totally crushed. But now when I see those, those times, I had really, really great experiences anyway so yeah I'm happy that I did it. <laughs> so back in the ITU days did you were you making a living f through the, the National Federation? Oh, or how, really? how were no you it was like super duper hard because <laughs> we were just like traveling all around the world alone or then um, together with my coach and we really 
pretty much had no money at all. So <laughs> I don't even know how we did it. It was just like, okay, we have money for the next ticket to those World, world Cups. And it was like totally crazy from a small country that Finland is. Yeah. Well, so, so then when you come to Ironman and you've experienced quite a bit of success and suddenly you have more finances, what's that like as a pro? How does that change the game? Uh, yeah, I'm like so, so grateful for uh, being able to do what I love nowadays, like for living. Um, I think we it's anyway pretty hard to be a pro triathlete. You don't have like too much money, yeah. <laughs> money ever. But anyway, it's like so cool that now I can like put all my energy in just like doing triathlon. So, yeah. Now, when you're out there racing, I noticed, well, I noticed on your website, you've got a master's in human nutrition. Yeah. Um, have you used that um, degree uh, for any work? And also, how do you, what do you, how do you feel yourself, you know, in the race and and uh, and during life? Uh, yeah, I was like um, doing some work according to my occupation before going long distance. So then I was like really working hard uh, part time all the time when I was training as well. But now I feel that yeah, the masters of human nutrition is like a big advantage of course in the daily life of a pro athlete because I at least I think I I pretty much know what what I should be eating mm. and when and yeah of course also in racing it it's a huge advantage to know the things but uh, yeah anyway I I'm really sure that so does all the pro athletes know know so yeah. So what, what what do you eat during an Ironman race, and what what do you have for breakfast, and on the bike, and on the run? Yeah, for the breakfast, I usually like to have a porridge with a little bit of, bit of rice, and then oats, and uh, then some um, eggs mm -hmm. and some jam and lots of coffee so nothing special yeah. in there and beetroot juice that's I, what I, I noticed swear you for. like your beetroot <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I love those yeah. <laughs> and, it's like, and then on the bike and the run what uh just like normal gales and sports bars and yeah. so there's nothing really so special but anyway I'm trying to count that I I would be getting the right amount at the right time and and mm. so on but actually I think I have I have never been able to go according to my plan totally mm. in an Ironman race because there are always like some issues like like with heating up too much or with the stomach or or something like that so mm. it's not like so easy to get it going like uh, it is on the paper so mm. yeah. I remember when you were in Kona, you told the story of how you did an Ironman when you were like 11, is it? Uh, no. <laughs> what, yeah, I what, what was the story? Tell, tell that story. It's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Because yeah. your dad loved triathlon, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did follow the sports quite a lot. And yeah, I was 12 years old when I heard about the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii. And I was like, I instantly knew that, okay, this might be something for me. And uh, I would have liked to do the whole distance, like the swim and bike and run and everything. But my pa parents were like, okay, no, 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 that's a bit too much. <laughs> but on one beautiful day, I took my pink little mountain bike and we went out riding and we did the whole 180 kilometers of the biking, like with just that kind of a mountain bike. And, and how are we? 
uh, 12. Wow. So if my <laughs> it son, was quite a day. If my son hears this, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, no, yeah, Thomas. He, he'll want to go and do that next year. Yeah, <laughs> he, actually, he's 11. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually remember that on some parts of that road, I was just crying because I was like so so tired yeah but anyway i did love like every pedal stroke of the ride so yeah. and so when you got to kona because you your first kona you got fifth didn't you uh yeah it was on 2016 yeah and, I was and so when you got to kona was that quite a special moment it was like i was like crying every day before the race like mm-hmm. i was so happy to be in there yeah. so it was like a huge experience yeah it's <laughs> pretty cool so you've had some really good results but have you had a, a race where you've nailed it where you've done a great swim a great bike and a great run or is that still to come Uh, I think it's still to come Mm. like but I also think that there are maybe no athletes who could say that uh, they have done like a really perfect Ironman race so I think like Ironman is more like handling the imperfections Mm. like like handling those as perfectly as possible but anyway i i still think that even though my results have been pretty constant um none of the races i've done has been like really good yet Mm. there's always been some nutritional issues or some some small things that i would like to settle up so Mm. i'll try to do those right on sunday And how, how is your fitness at the moment compared to, say, before Kona? Are you 100% shape or 95 or where are you at in your build-up? Mm, according to training, I'm in a bit better shape than ever before, like mm-hmm. before Kona. And so, so in that sense, all is good. Mm. What, what, what about post this race? How do you approach the rest of your training leading into Kona this year? Yeah, so after this race I'll have a short break and then I'll do maybe some half-distance races in between this and Kona. And yeah, after this it's, it's mostly just building up to Kona. Mm. Um, I know you're part of the Surrey Lindley's group and you spend some time training there. What's it like for you training with, say, Marinda Carfrey, if you do workouts with yeah. her, when she's one of your number one rivals in terms of trying to get to the top in Kona? Is it work okay or how, do, how does it sort of work amongst the group? <laughs> no I think it works like really well like uh, actually this year during this spring uh, it was the first time that we were training together with Rini because mm-hmm. um, she was pregnant last year so but yeah we did like really much to train together and I think like during the training there are not like that kind of competitive like disadvantages at all. It's more like just that we are pushing each other and yeah, it's great. <laughs> and so what's your goal for Kona this year? Do you, do you believe you can win or are you just going over there to do the best you can? What's your objective? Uh, I'm always just doing the best I can. I think it's the only way to approach an Ironman race, but I'm really sure that I can do a lot better than last year, like if you think about my own performance. And of course, I hope that it would be enough for a win or a podium. But at the same time, I think that women's level of racing will be higher than ever this Mm. year. Mm. And yeah. It will be cool. I'm really excited. And how, do you, how, do you, what, how do you approach the race this weekend? Like, what's, I know you're saying you, you hope to do your best performance, but strategically, how do you go about doing the race? Well, especially when you have Lucy Charles, who will be way out the front in the swim. Yeah. So yeah. Do you still just do your own thing, or you keep an eye on her? <laughs> I think, like, um, because 
I think the women's field will be really spread out pretty mm-hmm. much. And as Lucy is like such a fast swimmer, she will be like far ahead after mm-hmm. the swim and, and at least on the first part of the bike leg. So I think the only right way for us all um, to go to that race is to do our best and just to stick in our own plan. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best way to go. Um, tell us a bit about the Laureus team sport for good because last year I remember talking to Timo Bracht very briefly but maybe tell us a bit about what that is, what it means to you and what you do. Yeah, it's been actually a huge thing to be part of that team. Um, the team uh, hasn't been that strong this year. We've been struggling a little bit with, with financial, financial stuff and uh, things like that. But anyway, we are representing the Laureus Foundation's idea of doing some good uh, through sports throughout the world. So it's like really, really awesome things that, that they are working with, like with some kids with disadvantages mm-hmm. and trying to get, uh, give those a better life through sports and things like that. Fantastic. And if people want to follow you, um, what's the best way to do that? Website, Facebook, Twitter? Uh, I've been a bit lazy with my website, <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, yeah, you can find the basic stuff in there, but I think like Instagram and Facebook are the best ways to follow me. <laughs> I checked your website and it's more up to date than most pro triathletes. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you Thanks get, to you, my husband. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get pass, a pass mark. Some pros, their results are like 2015 and like, what have you been doing for the last three years? Just, just yeah. on, just on uh, uh, in your country, do you get much recognition outside of triathlon? Uh, like I think, like now lately during the last few years, I've got got a pretty good uh, recognition in there, yeah. and the sport has been growing a lot. So, so now the the situation is like really good in Finland as well. Mm. But I would say like that, like before 2015, there was like. And no sports like nowhere mm. seen so yeah. yeah is Pauli Kuru still a politician uh, yeah yes yeah. I actually saw him like a few weeks ago and he did give me really good tips for preparing to Kona <laughs> <laughs> excellent oh, all the very best for your race and we uh, we look forward to a good battle with you and Lucy Charles yeah, thanks so much awesome thanks for your time thank you I, I do love that story of the kid Imagine, imagine you taking Tommy, and I know Tommy would love for you to do this. He would love to go and try and ride 180Ks. That's a big thing on a mountain bike. Yeah. For a 12-year-old. Yeah. I wonder, I, we should have asked him how long it took. Oh, would have been all day. It would have been all day. Yeah. yeah. But it's just so cool, like, you know, how many kids out there in the world right now love Ironman triathlon? Mm. You know, at 12. You know, mm. it's a pretty rare thing. Mm-hmm. And then also that she became the athlete who actually got to race and do really well there as well. Mm. So it's a pretty great story. Uh, John, who are we going to have next? Next up, we have got Brian McChrystal. So a lot of you will not have heard of him. I did not know too much about him beforehand, but we know a lot more now. So good Irish lad. Here he comes. Okay, John, we've got... We got Former pro soccer player. I know. Back it up. I didn't know that. What, what did you thought? Uh, Brian McChrystal. What did you think of the Germany game last night? Uh, I was in the air. I'm oh, only after air. seeing the result about five minutes ago. Oh. So don't talk to the locals. I think. <laughs> we were sitting at breakfast this morning, and Ollie, who's a British guy, one of our support crew, there was a German guy on our table, and he said, "I oh, did you catch that soccer last <laughs> oh, <did> night." <laughs> 
Oh, wasn't a good start the day for him. So Brian McChrystal is a former soccer pro. Uh, he's the current Irish record holder over the Ironman distance with an 8-hour 30 at Ironman Arizona. Had a fourth place at Ironman UK as well. And... Uh, yeah, when I emailed Brian, he said, surely you've got more important people to talk to than me. I said, no, we want to hear from you. Um, so, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, where you're from, give people a bit of a picture about yourself, your size and your sort of background and things like that. So just a little few, few vital stats. Uh, well, I suppose my athletic career, well, it wasn't too much. It was soccer mainly more than anything else, and I played played local level and was pretty decent and got a move over to England what every young Irish guy aspires to be a professional footballer and I was on that kind of road uh, until I was about 20 years of age I was over in Leeds United when they were high flying and Mm. kind of one of the top four teams in the Premiership so it was very hard over there but it was great to kind of get that experience and see you know see what it's all about you know but um, I came home and played on a, a local level, um, still semi-professional, still a good standard. Um, but just over the the next five or six years, until I was about 25, 26, I was suffering some injuries, you know, like three ACL replacements and mm. that kind of thing. And every time I came back, it was just harder, and I just fell out of love with the game, hated it, uh, didn't like training, so. Long story short, I took a year out, went drinking, done all the stuff that uh, I missed out in my teens and uh, just got fat, lazy, got fed up with that, didn't like feeling like that. So I did a marathon and then trained like a runner for a year and I'm a bit of a, I think the trait that all triathletes have, it's all or nothing. Mm. So I trained like a proper runner, did a sub three hour marathon nearly killed myself, absolutely hated that. Saw my sister doing a triathlon about a month before uh, the marathon, never saw a triathlon before, never heard of it. Saw a couple of lads in the start line and said I'd beat them. So I took up, bought a bike in the January and I've been doing triathlon more or less since. Um, You had a bit of a cycling career sort of before triathlon or was that the, the same sort of time? No, I've been kind of intermittent. I've I kind of get bored of things so every two years I kind of switch back so for the first two years I did triathlon and then I used to like just do the local league races and some local uh, cycling races and I'd always be up there pushing to kind of top tens and get an odd win in the cycling and then I kind of people then you're listening to all the 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 kind of experts out there and they're saying like you should give cycling a go so I did got pretty good at it because you know I wasn't running or swimming started winning some big races in Ireland stuck at that got in a couple of teams and then kind of got fed up of that back to triathlon you know uh, wanted to kind of see what I could do at Ironman um, and then I kind of went back to cycling back to Ironman the last couple of years so I'm kind of in and out you know What's the deal with cycling in, in Ireland? So, you know, if you're doing these races, winning big Ireland um, events or placing, um, is there any money there? Or is it like triathlon? It's pretty uh, no. pretty thin. <laughs> no, it's not. It's like you get a 75 euro voucher for the local bike shop, you know. Right. Or you, might get a, you might get a couple of Continental GP uh, <laughs> tyres, you know. But it's, uh, you know, do we do it? 
we're all kind of working, you know, or if you're at that level, even at, if you do make the grade up, you get selected onto a team in cycling, it's like, it's, it's pennies, you know, it's not a career you can, anybody with a brain needs to jump up three levels to kind of make a living out of it, so it's very hard for the kids, uh, kind of feel sorry for them, um, but no, it's just a pure buzz of kind of racing and trying to win and racing against all the lads that are kind of decent. In Ireland, you know, like um, I remember years ago, Kieran, remember Kieran? Yeah, Kieran Cassidy. Kieran Cassidy, he was one of the first guys to try qualify for Kona. This would be about 12, 13 years ago. Um, and at that time, the sport wasn't huge in Ireland. What, what has the sport, in particular, iron distance? What's the, what, do you have much of a feel for how big it is in Ireland right now? Yeah, it's getting, it's, it's huge. It's massive, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the the local Fed and that, you know, the, the, they're all Olympic distance based and, you know, they're going for the elite athletes and that kind of programme. But this game is a kind of, <laughs> is it the midlife crisis game, you know, where people kind of turn to it and need to do something after doing nothing. And it's all mid-30s onwards to whatever age. And it's got a huge following and it's just getting bigger and bigger, you know. Ireland's always slow to catch on to things, you know. We kind of followed the Brits, you know, and then the Brits followed the, the US and, you know, we're always kind of the last one on. So we're on that curve and it's just upwards. Mm, that's good. So at the moment, you know, um, you're getting some, some good results. Are you, are you full time or are you doing other things to supplement, you know, the, the triathlete's life? No, I, I look at myself as a pretend pro, you know, I probably have the ability probably to kind of mix it, uh, you know, <laughs> Maybe not on Sunday, but mix it with uh, lads that when the top lads don't show up. So, yeah. uh, like the British circuit, that kind of thing. So, um, I took out a pro license uh, a few years ago. Well, I did. I did race pro in 2012. I did Lanzarote and a couple other races like that. Um, and then I kind of left triathlon. That time went cycling. So the last three years, I I've been. Uh, I went to Kona. I think, uh, yeah, I came back for one one year and I was in Kona a couple of years ago in 2015, uh, I think it was, yeah, 2015. So, but I took out the pro license because, you know, it's it's nearly cheaper as well, you mm, know, yeah. if I want to race. So, yeah. um, but no, I'm, I have a family, there's family business, a jewellery business at home that I, I, I work at and I do a bit of coaching as well to kind of mm. supplement the pastime this is. Mm. You know, I help out, you get messages and yeah, they see me doing well and they ask me to write them out a programme and that kind of thing. So I get a bit of a kick out of that. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't call it a, a business, um, mm. but it just supplement, it helps me pay for the flights, stay here, come here. You know, I think that's the general trend for listening to your show. You know, a lot of yeah. lads in my position do that. So, yeah. You know. And so for you, you know, you turn up to it's a pretty strong field. What, what, what? What, what makes you choose the races that you choose in a year? Oh, well, I looked at this one and I just said, you know what, every year you'd be out on a Sunday with the family and you're, follow and you're on the phone and you have the tracker and you're following everyone. And I just said, the last two years, I said, geez, I must do, must do that some year. So I was just sitting at home one night and um, I just said, you know, frigate, I'm going to, I'm going to, why, why let another year go past? Like, I'm not a young buck, like I'm 37, so mm. I have good legs at the minute see what I can do give it a crack it's probably about the I don't really race for the clock but to me it's probably about the clock on Sunday like you know mm. uh, try to kind of push that Irish record back down you know 
Well, Torst, Torsten's got you rated uh, from try rating as swimming 57, riding 426 and running, yeah. running a 308. Would you be happy with that or, or wh- oh. where would you like to trim some of that time? I, th- I think he's, uh, I'd like to think I'd be doing a bit better on the bike than that and yeah. maybe the run, but I don't really have a history there, but I shouldn't do too much talking until the race is over. <laughs> 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 you know, I'm not one to kind of, kind of blowing my own trumpet like you know so I let the race and do the talk and you, you never know what's going to happen on, on, on race day you can go in with the best legs and Jesus I've sat in the turbo many times listening to this show and there's lads telling you how good they are and you know and then you look at the result and mm, didn't really happen <laughs> yeah. you know um, racing pro level for you is it usually a solo TT like your swim does not look like it's you know it's it's fine but compared to the top pros you, you know you I'd imagine you're either coming out by yourself or, or with one or two so is most of the day for you a solo TT yeah yeah it's yeah. embarrassing it's, <laughs> it's like getting out and uh, it's just the bike is just sitting on its own very lonely coming <laughs> and then all the you can see all the supporters like that that have hung around for the prof- the last professional to come out of the water, and they're like you could just see them shaking their head, feeling sorry for me. But then they kind of get a surprise when says, "Jesus, there's that." I come in probably in the top five off the bike, and they're like, "He had a decent bike, that guy." Yeah. So uh, yeah, it is a solo TT. I kind of have to be a bit tactical. The Brit, the Brits now kind of know me. So from racing that kind of circuit, like in Staffordshire, I did Staffordshire a few weeks ago. And, you know, they're nearly waiting on me. Mm. And so I, I'll bike up to them, uh, t- to the pack. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm like, I just, because I have a bit of a cycling brain on me, like, as always, there's no free tickets. So yeah. I have to just be tactful and attack them, you know, and maybe set up, attack again. Yeah. And I won't ride if anyone's sitting on my wheel, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'll um, I'll try and get away. But yeah, more or less, it is this kind of solo TT until I get rid of someone or you know somebody who is honest that's go- is going to be hanging around, you know. Do um do you are you a numbers guy? Are you sitting on the power, or is it very much a feel thing for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a bit of both. Um, I think you kind of you can't go on. You can't let the red mist kind of um, the first hour or two, especially in the Ironman. Everyone feels fresh or all week they're kind of doing nothing. Their legs are up and they're just doing sharp work. So uh, you're obviously going to be hitting better numbers in the first hour or two. But the next next two are a different story. So you kind of have to be patient and kind of just be, be ready to kind of ride that last hour. But yeah, I'm sitting on numbers. Mm. Yeah. And what's your focus on the run? You know, a lot of, whether you're a pro or an age grouper, you know, the second half of the run is always a, a real struggle. So what, what are you trying to focus on when you're going through the second half of the run? Just get home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. just get home. Like, it's, this would be new territory now. Well, my running this year has definitely improved and in training it have been going well. So this will tell me a thing Sunday will tell me a thing or two about myself mm-hmm. so whether I can run um, target wise I'll be going out in pace and then you know I think that there is that thing about y- your body your brain can make will make that subconscious will make that calculation of right I've 20 miles to do what do you have no mm-hmm. like we're so governed by gadgets and all this kind of thing you can just throw it away 
when the Ironman run comes. It's just about you and guts and just find that find that rhythm and just get to the line. I think that's what Ironman's really all about. Have you, have you hit a complete race? Have you hit a race where you got to the end of it and gone, you know what, it's the best I've done? No, I haven't, I haven't no, because I've only, well, I could say Arizona, yeah, yeah, probably that, that, that comes kind of close, but does anybody finish an Ironman that hasn't? I think maybe the top one, two, and three can say that, but anyone behind there probably might have that kind of, I didn't get the best out of myself. Maybe I could be wrong, but I think um, Arizona maybe, but I haven't done any fast races other than Arizona. Well, I did Barcelona about two months before that, but I, I kind of, I pulled my calf. I didn't really pull it, but it was like very nearly, so I was kind of limping, walking towards the end of the Barcelona run and I was frustrated that I didn't do a time there I wanted to do a 30 or under in Barcelona so that's why I signed up for Arizona mm. to get that kind of performance because I kind of knew I was in that ballpark and I got that run out now I did struggle in the end uh, of the run but ever since that I've just done Bolton mm. so you're not really going to do a time a fast time there mm. Is there anything about you know about this weekend that you're really looking forward to in terms of the parts of the course or, or you know what have you heard that you're excited about? Um, just the atmosphere, just just that kind of s- that special feel, you know. It, like I'm only after arriving, really, so I can't really say I feel it yet. Mm. But um, just just the history of, of the race and and what it means to people, you kind of that can kind of feed in. It has fed in in on me and. I'm curious. That's why I'm here. Mm. So, yeah, everyone says the bike is uh, is tailor made for the likes of me and all that kind of stuff. But you know, that's it's not really fast times at the same time. Like it's not mm. really early four hour rides. No. Like there's still fifteen hundred meters climbing. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. yeah. No, it's honest. And what where, where does Kona sit for you? You said you've been over there once. Um, it's obviously bloody hard for for pro athletes to qualify now. Is that a motivator for you, or are you kind of just going around doing doing the races you want to do no um going to really look i'd love to get there if i got there it would definitely change my thinking but realistically and i'll be on brutally honest here if someone was to pay for me to go through sponsorship i'd go but mm. i couldn't be spending that sort of money mm. you know going to kona uh I did, went there as an age grouper and it cost me an absolute fortune <laughs> and you know at my age and i've two kids you know you're kind of spending their future you know so mm. and I'm never going to do anything in Kona mm. you know so uh, I'd like to kind of do other races kind of I think I think you can get the same yep. you know well, well just for so someone might be in your position who's kind of maybe thinking about kind of making that choice around going racing at you where you're at in your career what would be some advice you'd give to that person what advice I'd kind of give okay. to myself. Well, like someone who's, who's maybe a little bit younger but thinking about stepping up and it's probably similar ability as you right now. Yeah, I just, uh, it's all about timing too. Maybe, maybe um, I, I've come into the, the sport very late, so I'm 37. If I was early 20s with, you know, uh, where I'm at at the moment, might have a bit of a future in it. You never know what I might get out of myself. But, mm. you know, when I started out and you've married and your kids, you know, you kind of, Practical things, are, you know, are important. Mm. Uh, 
you know, mortgages, work, all that kind of stuff, bills. So, um, but if I was, if I was advising someone in my age, my ability, I would just say, do what I've done. I think I've made decent decisions so far. But if I was a, if I was a younger me, I would say, chase it. Maybe mm. go for it and see what happens. Mm. You know, put, put take yourself. A risk. Yeah, yeah, take a risk. You know, try it. But don't be any fool, you know. I see lads going away and living in bed sets and, you know, it's, yeah. you know, I don't know. I don't know what goes through these guys' heads, you know. Don't be a dreamer, you know. Yeah. <laughs> don't, be, yeah. don't, be, don't be a far-out dreamer. Yeah. Um, and anything you, want, anything you want to plug in terms of uh, sponsors or anything you've got coming up or uh, you just any, any other ways people can follow what you're up to? Yeah, I kind of have a Facebook page going. Um, I wouldn't have a whole lot of sponsors now, to be honest. This year it's been... In Ireland it's very hard to kind of... Uh, it's very hard to, to kind of pick up uh, sponsorship. Um, but, yeah, I have a Facebook page going... Um, you can follow me, uh, follow me there. But the, probably the only the, the support that I get home at home is from my local bike shop. Mm. You know, Tommy, what's the name? Tommy the bikes. Tommy the bikes. Go, yeah. Tommy the bikes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I w- look, I was um, I was affiliated uh, not so long ago with 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 another team. It was kind of a road race team, and the the Holdsworth team. You probably wouldn't have heard of it, but uh, connected to Planet X, but. We weren't in the. I I was kind of doing my solo triathlon thing, and they were doing road things. So it was a kind of a, it was a kind of a mutual decision to kind of just part ways. But you know, but I have another great sponsor, and it's my local bu- butcher actually. Oh, oh, right. yeah. what's, what's the name of the butcher? Oh, it's it's Tony Gearns. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird relationship, but it makes so much sense at the same time because I'm huge in my kind of grub and my food and just kind of eating real stuff, like you know. Yeah. So uh, he, he, he approached me, he's into cycling and a bit, of, uh, a bit of endurance sport, and he says, here, sure, maybe I'll help you out a wee bit. And I says, yeah, sure, give me, give me a shout, no problem. Yeah. But uh, no, that's, that's them. It's old school getting sponsored by the butcher, right? Eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Free food, can't. Yeah, yeah. Give um, me a sausage. Uh, wax or shave? Oh, shit, I love to wax, not, don't have time to do it. shave. Uh, and facial moisturiser? No, not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Chan- well, maybe in my football days, you walk into into training with a wee wash bag and all that kind of stuff. But no, not anymore. Yeah. And um, I know you said you, you did run a fresh marathon um, before you got into triathlon. If you were to train up really hard now and try to run a fresh marathon without the cycling and the swimming, any idea what you might be able to do? Yeah, I'd be. S- Sneaking under 250, maybe that's dreaming land. I'd say about 250 dead, maybe. And what's your fastest time in an Ironman run then? It's 3:07. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, everything like every athlete is saying in training. You're kind of all your numbers are telling you more, but it's, it's putting it together, you're putting it together, yeah. and getting yeah. the pacing right off the bike. Yeah. So I don't know. Like I said earlier. I have a huge question mark and what I'll do on Sunday. I actually don't know. I'm just going to yeah. go with it. Good luck. Good, Good luck. luck. We look forward to following me out there on race day. Yeah, cheers. Awesome. Thanks for your time. Before we push record on the interview, Brian, he was telling us about his hotel. He had a bit of a disaster with his hotel the night before, <laughs> and he dropped about 100 F-bombs in like 10 seconds. And I, and I, I do like the, the Irish swearing. There is something cool about an Irish man swearing. And I was thinking, this could be an interesting interview, but he was very, very contained. I was yes. well I was proud of him. Mm. He's, he's a good character. So no, it's good. To, I, I like to hear from from athletes like that that are 
you know, they're, they're not necessarily racing full time. They're in the pro ranks and just uh, he must be a weapon on the bike yeah. because if he's only running three oh seven and he's swimming fifty seven, he's biking fast. Yeah, far out. Yeah, it's, so it's good luck to him on the weekend. Um, okay, so early on today I actually caught up with Melina, we had a good half an hour talk, Melina is always good to talk to because he's just a wise soul of the sport, a bit of a wise soul in life, and uh, so we sat down and had a good chat with Melina, so here is the legend that is, the Terminator, Scott Melina. Rightio team, I'm pretty happy to have the legend that is, Scott Melina, the Terminator, sitting beside me right here, how you going Terminator? Good, good, enjoying Germany once again. What's, what's it like, you're not racing this year, so when you come along to a camp like this and you're not racing, and it's not the, the extreme epic camp, what's the experience? It's just a, uh, an active tourist experience, really. I mean, I, I knew that from last year, but um, it's more relaxing this year, and, and I, don't, I don't worry about how hard or easy I go, or I just, you know, just enjoy uh, touring around Germany. One thing we've talked about in the last few interviews, actually, is kind of, you know, you're at that kind of bucket list race of your career uh, what, what are the, what's left on the bucket list um, you know what triathlon wise I don't think there is anything left um, let me think not really no 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 uh, there's a couple running events I might like to do I've never done a hundred miler for example uh, but I think I'm running out of time for that yeah my legs are pretty not cooperating at the moment hey, have you ever done it in training like around a hundred miles no, no 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 so um, so maybe if, if things work out uh, do something like that before I'm um, 60 something. 60. <laughs> Which is not far away. Well, just looking at the races, are you, are you still keeping a pretty active eye on what's happening in the sport? You know, at the, at the Ironman level, I kind of am. Yep. Uh, at the ITU level, not so much. Why? Oh, good question. Um, I don't know, uh, tell you the truth. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm still a fan. I still look at all the results, but... Um, just don't look at it, the personalities and uh, as in depth uh, as I used to. Uh, just other things going on in life, uh, kids, grandkids. Uh, that's all. Life. Yeah. So, so what's your thoughts on what's happening in Ironman right now? Well, it's a bit. It's it's from the pro athlete's perspective, it's they're in a dire situation. You know, one of the reasons we were coming here was because the Collins Cup was supposed to be launched here yeah. this year, and Aaron was um, due to be a team captain. Yeah. And so, when when the Collins Cup was announced, we 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 were planning on being here for that. Yeah. And then, um, uh, as as things transpired, that it didn't eventuate. But but I said to Aaron, let's let's do John's trip anyway because you're going to love it, yeah. and uh, and you need to come here and see this race because uh, she's never been here. So uh, so that's that's the two reasons why we're here: the Collins Cup and the tour. Um, but going back to the pros, it's it's. Um, you know, it's it's uh, the prize money just has not grown, you know, and the number of athletes keeps growing and growing and growing. So it's, uh, you know, if you're not winning, you know, if you're not uh, Swiss Miss or 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 winning Hawaii, you know, um, then then the money coming in to the pros is just it's just horrible. And uh, you know, I have a lot of good friends who and people I used to coach, like Dylan McNeese is a good example. Good athlete. Mm -hmm. No, he's he's won Wanaka what three times, yeah. you know. He's he's won other races in yeah. Taiwan. But you know, he's just he's only making a, enough to get by. Yeah. You know, and he's winning races. Yeah. You know, and he's he's got a great profile because he leads races from the start. Um, so it's it's um it's a tough situation. I, I hope the Collins Cup or, or the pro athlete organization does 
take hold of their own future. You know, uh, if if that, if that means producing their own races, and that's what they have to do to 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 make some real money, then I hope it happens. Do, do you, just on the Collins Cups, I'm not sure how much insight you have or that you want to share. Do you think it? Do you think this time next year works? You see it happening, or do you think there are too many hurdles along the way? I think it will happen that they will ha uh, have their own event or events. Yeah. I think um, that their the revenue streams that they're looking at are new ones, like social media is looking at sponsoring their own events or putting on their own events. You know, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, and so. Um, that's that's a whole new area of, of entertainment that's coming our way mm. um, that hasn't been used for sports before. So, you know, they're looking they're looking in the in the right places. I think uh, not not thinking they're going to get network television coverage, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's probably not going to happen. Um, and and streaming events, you know, uh, is 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 another way. Just stream your own event with. Uh, and 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 sell sell ad time, so yeah, I think they, they the possibility is there. Um, whether they can pull it together or or the people in the organization at the moment are the right people to do it, I don't know. But but the the ideas are good and and I think the the revenue will be there for them to at least have a little bit of influence over their own destiny. But back in your day, you know, the career in triathlon. You know, you could pretty much set your life up if you were responsible with your money. You could make some good money from it. Was there ever talk, or was there even a professional's organization at that time? Yes, there was. There was a couple of them. I remember we sat down in Kauai with uh, Billie Jean King's husband, okay, Larry yeah. King. Um, and he he said, look, you know, you this is in the mid-80s. You guys you guys are, are just pawns in a game at the moment. You know, you need to form your own organization and have a voice and have a union because he he helped set up the uh, Virginia Slims um, women's tennis circuit mm. and and that's when the women really started to make and it, there's been good documentaries and movies on that recently yeah isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah, yeah. and, and uh, the Village and King story mm. uh, is, is um, all about that and uh, the struggle that the women had in tennis to control their destiny right mm. they weren't making any money and so so he sat down with us and then we formed an organization and a guy named Bill Leach uh, headed it for a while and you know we made some headway uh, but it was it was nice to to know that you had some representation with organizations like WTC right um, uh, to say you know look uh, this is what we'd like to see uh, but even then you know things Things were it just moved like a glacier, you know. Like uh, for instance, getting a, a separate woman start in Kona is a good example because women used to they used to get trounced. It was a mass start. Yeah. That's all the age groupers and all the male pros, and uh, you know, and it took like I don't know how many, ten years to get a separate woman start in Kona. Mm -hmm. You know, things like that where where athletes need to have a strong voice and and a united voice mm -hmm. to get things done. Um, you know, and that's an easy thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's an obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. so, so yeah, things like um, multiplying the prize money, you know, those are difficult things. And so, yeah, the athletes they need a they need a strong unified voice. So, there have been other uh, pro organizations since then. Um, I forget the name of the. Oh, they had one, didn't they, years ago? Uh, yeah, yeah, the Hungarian guy I think was leading it um, for a little while, but it was it was very ineffectual, and uh, so. So we'll see. I think it's 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 needed. Well, I think you know this, the the challenges of the world, and also if the Collins Cup can become a viable option, is a really important thing because at the moment, right now, 
what are you going to say? We're not going to do WTC races, but where do they go? And so there needs to be a viable alternative where they can kind of say, well, we're going to make more money over here. Right. So suddenly WTC has to lift their game because there is a real competition. Right. No, WTC and, and Challenge have the monopoly. You know, you try to think of a of, of a of another Ironman race that has good prize money. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't. They're amateur events. Norsemen. Yeah. Uh, you know. They're outlaw. There's, there's one or two, you yeah. know, they're yeah. outliers. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, And so, no, so they're not a viable alternative right now. And um, so the athletes need to, to band together and, 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 and collectively put their foot down. But as long as the top stars uh, um, are willing to show up to events for an appearance fee, then... If 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 those organizations WCC and Challenge have one or two stars at their race, then and and they, and they don't uh, go along with the collective uh, thinking of the rest of the pros, then it will be ineffectual. Any organization will be ineffectual if that's the case. Appearance fees back in the day, was it good money in appearance it fees? It was good. It was good. I'm I'm not, I'm not afraid to say you know we made five to ten grand to show up to races. Um, I remember in Seder, Sweden. I think it was about 85 or 86. Um, I, I had my very first business class ticket. <laughs> nice. Uh, and they paid me five. It ruins you once you've had your first one. <laughs> and they pay. Yeah, don't forget that. Uh, I only I had about one, two since then. Uh, and then uh, and they paid me five grand to show up. And um, remember, Nice paid paid us five to ten grand to show up in the early days. And um, and other races around the United States uh, paid. My my only. Um, qualm with that and and my only stipulation with that is that the race also had to offer prize money okay i would never go to a race um it, for an appearance fee if the race didn't also pay the pros yeah because that man everybody has a chance to make money not yeah. just me yeah right and because uh, i felt that if i didn't if i didn't do that as one of the top guys in the sport then there was no way to build the prize money in the sport, right? You know, they would just pay me, and that's it. You yeah, know, screw everyone else. And 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 that's that's largely the situation now. If if um, you know, uh, Ferdino and 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 um, the Angry Bird don't put the foot down and say, "Look, you know, great, you pay me, but you know, you need to have a good prize list." Then the organizations will say, "Look, we got you. That's all we need." You know? When you got appearance fees, no, like, well, there's a couple of questions here. But did it make you feel more responsible to race hard, or did you just always race hard? And it, you know, like, yeah, uh, it did. It did. It did make me feel that way. And and um, if you if you look at sport as entertainment, you know, you're paid to put on a good show, mm -hmm. right? Um, and um, but it also meant meant you had to do, you know, five interviews like this. Yeah. Uh, whether it be TV or radio or newspaper, you know, so there were there were other obligations that came with just uh, with doing the appearance fee and going to the carb dinner, going to the prize giving, you know. Yeah. So there was all that as well. But yeah, certainly I, I felt like I had to race harder if I was getting paid to go. And you, throughout your career, just kind of your approach to a race, you know, early on was it very much just kind of balls out all the time, or or did you kind of literally try to periodize your season around key races, and did that shift through your career? A little bit, a little bit. Um, the, the we had a the, especially during the USTS days uh, when you had a season-long competition and a big old check at the end. I think it was 25 grand at the end to win the red jersey. You got paid every race, um, prize money. But um, so you know, so I would I would 
generally prioritized those races. But then there was other other races. The, the, the difference in our day, I think, was that everybody raced Ironmans as well as mm. Olympic distance, mm. right? Whereas, whereas <laughs> now, only a few of the ITU guys are even dipping their toe into 70.3. Or, you know, you know, we talk about Gomez and Alistair Brownlee moving up to Ironmans, but, you know, they've had great careers without ever doing a long distance race yeah and we just didn't have that you know we were doing Ironman straight straight away from whatever age that we started and so um so the the when you talk about prioritizing your season yes there were times when you knew I need a, a succession of long runs for example and so if I'm doing 32k runs every week you know it's pretty hard to be fresh for a race on the weekend mm. And so, like oftentimes, we'd race on a Saturday or Sunday, do a really long day, whether it be long bike ride or long run, on Monday, Tuesday, and then try and freshen up again for the race on the weekend. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a bit of a juggling act when you knew you had an Ironman. You always had an Ironman coming up. Yeah. It was always on the horizon, and so you always had to train for it. And so where do you fit that in? It's interesting when we think about, you know, and it's different times. There's no way the athletes of today could do what you guys did because the sports have kind of diverse and very specialised. But it's still pretty interesting. One of the things that particularly the iron distance race or athlete doesn't get much of is competing nowadays. You know, and, and I wonder what's lost for them, you know, because I imagine you knew how to play the game so well as in that competitive edge, even though you're, there was a broad range of racing that you were doing because you were just racing so much. And whereas an Ironman athlete, you know, top pro is maybe doing three races a year, you know, and a few 70.3, so maybe let's maybe 10 races a year at max, you know, whereas you were probably doing more of 20-something, 25 races, even more. And, and I think a lot of the top guys, if you look back over the last almost 20 years, even, McCormick, Alexander, um, you know, they raced a lot. Yeah. And, uh, and But the, yet they still won a lot of Ironman races as well, you know, but they're... They're, the best way to build your engine is to go two hours flat out. Yeah. And if you're doing that almost every week, yeah. just about year-round, you're going to have a big engine, yeah. you know, if you don't break down. Yeah. So that's the thing, you know. Um, and um, say, what, so say, it, was, it was the same in our day. There were a few people, like Dave Scott didn't race that much. Um, and then <laughs> Mark Allen didn't race that much, maybe 10 times a year. Um, but a lot of us did, you know, 15 to 25 times a year. And uh, it does give you, it does harden you up. You, you know, you get, you, you, it, it makes you relax because you know every weekend you're gonna go balls to the wall, and that's that. That's what you do. And so you do get, you don't get um, too nervous or too stressed about it. What was your ego like? And not, not ego isn't like. I'm just kind of when you're in your peak, when you're at your best. I'm not sure if there's a moment where you go that was this period. You know, what, what was your apex mountain? What was the time in your career? where you felt you were just at your best for maybe a two-year period or something like that? Yeah, probably 83 to 88, 9, actually. I had a good year in 89. What you did when uh, you won 88, didn't you? I won in, uh, Y in 88, but, it, but, but I remember 87. I had a great year in 87, but I got second to pig seven times. <sighs> and I the pig was, was an X, wasn't it? That's the moment. thing. I was going good. <laughs> I, was still, I was still beating everybody else. <laughs> You know, and then but Pig's period was short, wasn't it? He he basically well, had like two years where he dominated, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but he, he he had a he had a tough road too because you know Mark uh, Mark Allen had his best years in eighty eight, eighty nine. He went undefeated those two years, twenty races in a row, um, and that's when Pig was sort of at his best. Yeah. So you know, every every time he turned around, Mark Allen or or or, or I were 
were beating him. Um, and so, but, but like in, in the years 84, 85, 86, before Pig started beating me in 87, you know, I won 90% of my races. Wow. And so... Um, What's the mindset? When you, like, not, not, not as in like an ego is, I'm just kind of curious, what's happening in your head when you're kind of performing at that level consistently for, you know, there's five years. You know, what's that? What's, I'm just kind of curious, can you remember how you thought about yourself and how you played the game? Like, just kind of, can you give some insight into that? Well, it was, it was I, 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 I do know a bit about sport, endurance sport too, and I remember some of my heroes saying, you know, you, have a, you do have a window of maybe three to seven years where you, you can go flat out. Frank Shorter used to talk about that. Um, you know, when you're, when, you're, when you're at your best, but also you're hammering yourself in training. You know, you're at your limit of your training load. You know, you can't do that forever. Yeah. And uh, I remember Salazar saying similar sort of thing, you know. And, uh, and I knew my window, once I started winning and once I started really flowing, but I was training as hard as I could train, um, you know, that I, I needed to make the most of it too, yeah. right? It's like put some money in the bank, Melina, because you cannot <laughs> do this forever, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, it's just not realistic. And uh, so, so I was matter of fact that I I, I was winning, and I was and I was one of the better guys for sure. But I also knew that you know it's not going to last forever. Make the most of it. Um, you know, if you if you have the chance to go to a race and make five grand or ten grand, then don't sit at home and just train. Mm. Go to that race, make that money, put it in the bank, and and hopefully there will be another year or two of this. So it's kind of real, make hay while the sun's shining. Kind That's of right. Very, very much, very much like that. And was there a, was there a specific moment in you where you realized, oh, that that level's gone? Well, I I, I struggled in '87, uh, getting second to pig all the time. Yeah. Um, I also. Uh, broke up with my wife of okay. seven years uh, 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 in, in 87 so that was a hard hard year and I thought oh my god and I, and I felt drained I felt really whipped that year you know uh, and even though I came back in 88 and has had had a good season in 88 and I met Aaron in 88 um, I was starting to feel like okay if I have another year like that that's it you know yeah. it's one thing to come back at 28 it's another thing to come back at 33 35 mm. uh and especially those times because we didn't have the science the understanding you yeah know, like nowadays guys like 38 39 have a, are still strong in their career yeah yeah at different uh, times uh, yeah we didn't you know there was nobody yeah uh that was that was who, who you could say at the top of the game mm. at 38 39 mm. at that time no. you know uh, most of us were marcus marcus racing well at age 30 but at 31 uh, when I stopped uh, I, I, well that's not true I came back again uh, and did my last pro season uh, in 95 and Mark was about 37 at that time and he was still winning Hawaii yeah. um, so that was just starting to be yeah. you know w there was a few old guys hanging in there sort of thing um, but, um, but, but when I was in my 20s I never ever thought I'd be racing in my 30s at any sort of significant level. Mm. So I thought, yes, it's hard. Yes, you're cooking yourself, but make hay while the sun shines. Yeah. When you look at when we think about the aging thing, you know, look at Cam. Like he's not he's not a Kona 
fighter nowadays, but he can still turn up. He's what thirty six, isn't he? Something like yeah, that. He just ran a three hour marathon in Malaysia. I mean, no, no, where was it? Where was it? Philippines? Yeah. And um, you know, it's a steamy, bloody jungle there. Yeah. You know that? No, he's he's amazing. He's amazing. It and, is and Alexander's still racing extremely well. Yeah. Yeah. So no, my hats off to those guys that they've managed to look after their body enough that they can keep going yeah. at that level. So so looking to this year's Kona, um, let's talk about both the male and the female race. On the on the males, we've got a pretty fascinating race coming up. There's lots of kind of stories, dynamics. Yeah. Uh, you know, what's your thoughts around the race? Well, I think it's hard to go back past Langa. You know, again, um, we'll see what um, Ferdino is, is. I think it's the same contenders. You know, Lionel. Um, what about Gomez? Well, good question. Um, you know, to see uh, Braden Curry run away from him in Cairns like that, like he did in the last 10K. Braden Curry, I mean, golly, you know, Jesus. You know, his last 10K was like what? Yeah. I don't know, what, 37 or something he's, like he's that? He's a bit like Sanders. He's just got a fight, huh? He's got yeah. a bit of mongrel on him, hasn't he? But, boy, he's got a good top end, too. Yeah. You know, he's, he has he has a very good top end at the end of a marathon. And so, so that was something to see Gomez actually get dropped. You know, how often does that happen? Um... But Gomez certainly has has all the goods, but um, he's only done one Ironman, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Ferdino, Langa, Sanders have done lots, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure the feelings that Gomez was feeling in that last 10K were new sensations. Mm-hmm. It's like, what the hell? You know, I can't, <laughs> this guy's pulling away from me, <laughs> yeah. and I can't do anything about yeah. it. You know, I mean, it went, so that's that's a new experience for him. So. Um, you know, suffering at the end of eight hours uh, is, is brand new to him. So I don't know that he's, you know, I, mean, I think he'll figure it out. He's, he's figured out everything else. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I don't think, um, I don't think you could say at this point that he's, you know, the favorite, like, as when he lines up for a 70.3 or an ITU race. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting with Langer, isn't it? Because it's, he's won it. And, and the year before, he had, you know, second with a phenomenal run. But for some reason, he's one of those guys who people don't respect at the same level as like a Frodo. You know, like yeah. people wouldn't beat the house on Langer, you know. Yeah. And it's interesting that he's kind of proven himself. He's won yeah. the bloody thing. And the year before, it wasn't yeah. a fluke result. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting he's not held quite at that, at that next level yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, Frodo goes back to winning the gold in, the, in, in Beijing in 2008. You know, God, the guy's been top of the sport for a decade now. Yeah. So, no, I think um, he's earned that, that level of respect, you know, that a decade of winning uh, gives you. That that Patrick is, is, is getting there now, though, mm. you know. Um, but he also doesn't have maybe the outgoing personality that some others do, um, you know, to to win the love of the fans, you mm. know. Uh, he's just more reserved and quiet, more quiet uh, and and doesn't race as often. So... But hey, two sub two forties in Kona, you know, poof. Yeah. You cannot count that guy out. No, for well, yeah. with girl side of the race? The girl side of the race, um, I can't see anybody challenging Reef at the moment except for maybe Lucy Charles. Yeah. Um just to see how she goes this weekend. Yeah, I have a feeling, uh, based on her her season so far this year, you know, that she's She's going to be ready to challenge. Uh, the thing about Hawaii, uh, it's it's a it's a limiter, and there's only a couple of women who can run decently there. Mm-hmm. You know, like Marinda over the years. Um, everybody else, if they break th- uh, three hours, you know, is a fantastic race, including Reef. Um, there's there's only been one Chrissy and and one Marinda running 
you know, great marathons over the last 20 years mm-hmm. in, in Kona. Um, and so, so I, I don't, Lucy, Reef, Marinda's coming back, but she's, you it's know, bit early, isn't it? it's been early days for her. Maybe I'm not, no, not, not, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I can't, I can't imagine with a, a career that she's had, a husband she loves, a new baby. I think she's probably pretty happy. Yeah. I'm not sure how hungry she'll be. You know, it's funny how it's funny. Like you know, the Peter Reed interview we did, and he said, you know, the day my dad gave me a letter saying he he finally saw how great I was, was the day he lost motivation, and you right. know, that's the moment he stopped being yeah, the I winner. Mean, you only need a few percent. Yeah. Less than a hundred percent commitment, a hundred percent motivation. You only need a few percent less than that. Yeah. To not win. Yeah. You know, and um, and maybe I was a bit like that too later on in my career. You know, after. Um, I went back to racing after our son was born, and Aaron ha- had essentially retired, and life was good, you know, and we had moved back to New Zealand, and I remember thinking, you know, like prior to really hard sessions, yeah. track sessions, you know, really hard uh, bike rides, you know, uh, where people are just killing me, and uh, and thinking, do I really need to do this, you know, you know, and you, you, the motivation has to be there, you know, yeah. and for Marinda, I just wonder, you know, why? Why would she want to go back and suffer that much? Yeah. You know? I mean, like when Chrissy called it a day, you know, she knew. Um, she's like, no, I, I can't I'm go ready, there anymore. I'm re- or, or I'm ready to give my energy to something else, go in a different direction. You know, and, and those p- those people who have won Hawaii, uh, they have those opportunities, you know, she, and, and now now children as well. So they have plenty of things to, to focus on other than just suffering all the time. Well, just on the female side of things, if we look historically at the females... Ironman Championship. He's kind of always been a dominant player. You know, you've, you, you know the early days. You know, you had Paula, you had Badman, you know, you had Chrissy. You know, why is it? Why does it happen more in the females? And like, you could probably argue maybe not quite as a competitive field, but still, that's all competitive fields. But there always seems to be just one dominant player. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, Dave won six and Mark won six, but um. I don't know though. There, there have been some really unique individuals. Uh, Paula, Badman, Chrissy. I mean, God, you know, when they were at the top of their game, it was just untouchable. Untouchable, you know. Um, and so, so I don't know. I, I don't know if that's um, if you look at if you compare it to other sports. You know, what's Nadal? He's won ten French Opens. Yeah. You know, you look at Federer. You know, I mean, God, that freaks. Like, that freaks. Yeah, yeah, and so I, I guess sports get that. You know, you get those those dominant players in individual sports anyway, right? In a team sport, somebody like LeBron, for example, or Michael Jordan. Mm. You know, they they're they're just one of five players on mm. the court, and so maybe, you know, maybe they were that type of individual, but you don't see. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to say. You know, <coughs> they're they're the dominant person. <coughs> Clearly, you know, they're winning the race every time. And so I, I don't know about um, maybe it's just the nature of individual sports that that you, we can say that about somebody that they're that dominant. Yeah. Whereas with um, other sports like you know with the World Cup now, you know uh, you look at some of the Messi and Ronaldo and you know but they're just one guy on the field and so it's just it's just not as clear cut. I guess. What sports outside of triathlon do you love following? Um, I like athletics, uh, marathoning, uh, swimming. Um, Basketball uh, at finals time. Yeah. Uh, same for NCAA basketball at finals time. It's always 
when I grew up, you know, the Final Four and uh, and, the, and the NBA championships were always the the time when we were glued to the TV. Just like uh, it's funny traveling around Europe watching, yeah. watching the World Cup fans, you know, all, all of a sudden like Germany was on last night. Right? Yeah, and then oh. they, they, they went out. So if you and, and people were so serious here, you know, it's like you could hear a pin drop, yeah. you know, <laughs> and and yeah, it's like you know. During the year, I'm sure it's not like that, mm. but something about the World Cup, something about championships that brings out the best and the, uh, the seriousness in the fans as well. What, what, what do you love in a sportsman? Um, I love the joy in playing the game. You know, you, you, you see people, um, the emotion... Soccer players are probably not a good example because they're bloody actors. Yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> does that, you hit that, that, Oh, it does <laughs> But... Um, but the joy in playing the game, like cycling, you know, yeah. I love watching the tour every year, even with the, all their history, you know, the joy um, and the fight that you see in people. It's like they're, they're trying to win the, you know, it's a game. Yeah. It's just a sport, but yeah. they're trying to win, you know, yeah. and, and, uh, and, it's, and that's how I grew up. I, was, I played sports my whole life and, you know, it's just, it's just always fun. The joy of, the joy of just playing the game. Yeah. yeah. Just uh, on, on the weekend, you're, you're not racing this year, you're spectating. So what's the plan for the day? I don't know. I thought I'd tag along with you. Oh, you nice. You, nice. You, you seem to be in the right places at the right times <laughs> so i'm going to ask you about that uh how we're, how we're going to get around and uh get to get to the solarberg hill and then um you know be at the right places on the run course to see the race have you actually watched mini ironman i watched one wow in my, in my life wow yeah uh, i i i yeah i i don't I, I I always think oh if I'm gonna go to a race, do it. I might as well do it because yeah. I'm and I'd rather be out there you know with my people as I yeah. as I kind of feel that um, as as Iron Man people are you yeah. know They're, that's this is my crowd and yeah. uh, so no I've only watched one I was in, invited to come what year oh I think the 20th anniversary yeah I remember that yeah you were injured weren't you. Or no way, was that the, uh, yeah, 98, yeah, yeah, I remember hanging out in the bar with my buddy Sousa and Greg LeMond, who was doing the commentary, and uh, drinking a hell of a lot of piss, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that was the year that, uh, that I went to watch, yeah. and, that's, and that's the only one I've ever watched. Yeah. Wow, yeah. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, even when I've been to Wanaka, at times uh, I was I was taking part in the race yeah. 70.3 or a relay or yeah. something you know yeah yeah. hey well thanks for your time mate it's always great talking to you and uh, enjoy the rest of the camp and I'll be your guide on the day I'll well, look thank after you very You're much safe hands. looking forward to it awesome mate thanks uh, John so what's happening from here on in Thursday's really kick off day in Rote so it's a Sunday race uh, and it's, you will have heard us talk about this before it's a bit different over here because it not everybody stays in the town and it's a bit disjointed in terms of there's lots of villages all around the area where people stay or they stay in homestays or we're in Nuremberg which is about half an hour drive away um, and so you don't have that feel that everybody's in one place at one time but then when you roll into town on Thursday and you go to the expo you go right this is uh, this is the business yeah fantastic expo there's different events going on so for example this afternoon they have the, the Erdinger party where the pros dress up in their Lederhausen um, We'll go and do the the night run, uh, and this is you'll go and do the night run. Yeah, yeah. I've played the night run. I'm out. out. (laughs) And uh, there's there's lots of things going on. So today is especially for our camp athletes. It's you're on a camp, and the race is almost you don't not haven't been thinking about it that much. Yeah. And all of a sudden today will be holy shit! I've got my registration band on. It's uh, it's time to do it. And based on last year's experience, and I'm sure we'll talk about this over the next few days, but the challenge wrote 
experience. You know, we talk about race day and how I, I, mm. I fundamentally believe it's the greatest endurance event in the world as for a spectator because mm. um, it's just such a great race. You can kind of see so many trigger points or event moments in the day. But but the, the lead up, they just really nail it. And, and even just the expo, you know, you go along to the expo tonight, it's a, they've got the, your typical expo, think of a normal expo, but they've got this big area where you can grab some food. Mm. It's just done really well. And everything about what they do is really thought about the athlete experience and, and even I was just talking to Belinda before she was saying how Felix was out there till 10 o'clock last night helping putting up the bloody the stands you know mm. and just you know the, the whole sense of what's important is really great and they just nail it it's such a cool race mm. and they listen, listen to what people say because last year we had the the athlete briefing and it was English and German and it bloody how it dragged on it was not not great this year they've split it so it's English and German split so it's going to be there for half as long so good at listening to the athletes so we'll be back uh, we're going to be basically putting a show out every day over the next few days so we'll kind of get more of the pros we'll get some of the campers on um, just kind of give you an experience of what that that route like experiences and uh, so John let's just mention the sponsors we have got Tanya Pora and uh, we've also got Extreme endurance. Elected like buffer and our patrons. And we've got to say a big thank you to our patrons because mm. um, the support you give to this show is the only reason the show really happens. To be honest, and we've got a few of them on the ca- on the camp. You're going to hear from them. Uh, the oh, and, and just lastly, I was on the plane. Yeah, flying over from I was going from Singapore to Munich. Get off the plane. Bumped into Mike Pizzle Sizzle. Mike the Swizzle Pizzle, who here's our our winner, who's going to be joining us over in Kona. Big year for Mike, met his wife and his family, and yeah. it, was, it was a good time. So it was, what are the chances of that happening? Yeah. The guy who wins the, wins the Kona draw this year, in the oh, middle of the world, yeah. catching up. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, John. Okay, let's wrap it up. Iron Russ. Iron Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia